Friends, happy St. Nicholas Feast Day to you. We're celebrating our, our patron. My friends, when I was in Italy uh, in 17 and visited Tolentino, uh, the city and the basilica, where I met Father Guestino. He's the pastor of the basilica. Uh, and there, um, of course, in the basilica is the body of St. Nicholas of Tolentino. And he was explaining to me that on this uh, his celebration, his birthday, as we call it, is on the 10th, yesterday, so we had our celebration here. But in Tolentino, it's all weekend. It begins on Friday, the Friday evening before, and doesn't end until the sunsets on Sunday, and they have large screen things outside for vid music videos, and the kids come, and they hang out and dance, and um, I was like, woo, Father. So we had a little bit of fun yesterday, absolutely. We had a great time. My friends, um, we, I remember Father Guestino uh, and this weekend in Tolentino as they celebrate our patron also. Our first reading, <clears throat> we are told that Moses intercedes on behalf of God uh, for the people because of their waywardness, because of their sins. And Moses goes before God and pleads their cause. And Moses is one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. But we Christians have even a greater one. We have Jesus Christ himself who is and remains the mediator between humans and God. And he is merciful and kind. And we see this in the second reading. Paul is destroying and attacking uh, what we know as Christians, the followers of the way. And in the midst of this, so in the midst of his sinning, in the midst of his blaspheme, Christ approaches and offers him mercy. Not the other way around. He didn't wait for Paul to convert and then give him mercy. In the midst of his sins, Christ approaches. So this is great news for us. And this is what the parables that Jesus is talking about is getting at it. And um, my friends, in Jesus' time, like ours, Jesus lived in a time and the nation he lived in was greatly divided. Not only, not so much by their government, but they were all kind of wacky too. But the religious authorities of their time, the Pharisees and the scribes were at odds with each other, but both of them didn't like us, basically, because uh, we were sinners. And so Jesus comes to try and remedy so much and to bring unity uh, to what was divided. And that's why he spoke so much about, my father and I are one. And when you Come to me, then you will be with me, and then you will be with him, and we will be one. <clears throat> this helps us to understand why Jesus spoke about the things that he did and the way he spoke about it. My friends, the Pharisees and scribes were told are shocked by Jesus' behavior, and um, he does something unheard of amongst the Orthodox Jewish people of his time. He welcomes sinners, not only welcomes them, but he eats with them. The Pharisees and the scribes wouldn't come near us. They, wouldn't, they would look in our direction, but that's about it. In the Orthodox view, sinners are to be avoided at all costs. They are not people welcomed, nor will God welcome them. And thus, they will never be saved, and then they are deserving of destruction. You see the mentality of the religious folks of Jesus' time. To refute these leaders, <clears throat> Jesus tells these three parables in explanation of his behavior, why he welcomes and eats with sinners. In doing so, he radically adjusts the theology of the Pharisees and the scribes and any of the self-righteous people of his time. He's teaching them that God does not avoid sinners, that God loves his creation, including sinners, 
and that God actively searches them out, the sinners, in order that they may be saved. The viewpoint then seems to be that sinners are not necessarily doomed, but according to the parables, they are just lost. And God wants them back. That's why he sends his son. And so we have the three stories about loss. The story of the lost sheep, the story of the lost coin, the story of the lost son. In each case, someone grieves over what is lost. That someone searches in the hope of finding what they have lost. The good shepherd, Jesus says, what shepherd having 99 sheep and losing one would go after? Do you know what the response is of his time? No good shepherd would leave the 99 and go after that silly one. That one's a loss. Jesus knows what the answer is. That's why then he tells the story. Until he finds it, Jesus says. Then will there be a celebration. And then the grieving father goes to a high place, like a hill, presumably every day to scan the horizon to see if his son is coming home. That is why he is able to see the son when he is returning, even when, as the story tells us, while he was still off in a distance, the father saw him. The diligent old woman lights a lamp and sweeps her house until she finds her lost coin. And often, and I've done this as a preacher, we present the coin as something in their time in society that was not worth more than a penny or two, like a copper coin. But um, it begs the question, then why in the story is the woman searching so frantically for something that is worth only a penny? She burns an oil lamp, which is very costly to her, and then she spends the evening sweeping her floors, trying to find it. She sweeps the floor that she might hear the ting of the coin, you know, when your coin moves across the ground, and then she can find it. Or the light will shine off of whatever the silver coin is, and she will catch it. Ah, there it is, to go and get it. The coin must then be precious to the woman. Is it because it, it will buy some food for her family? Could it be maybe that the coin actually has sentimental reason kind of like we would have a, a family heirloom. No wonder then Jesus points out that she is frantically searching for it. And when she finds it, it's with great joy. My friends, Jesus is telling these three parables. The parables are about God, really, in the end. They're talking about God. He's saying, this is what your heavenly Father and my Father is like. And in the parables, the representation would be the shepherd who goes out after the one, the woman who searches direct, frantically, and then the father who waits for his son's return. And God is like the diligent woman when it comes to searching for the sinner and rejoicing with angels, the parable says, when that sinner is found and rescued. And God is like the good shepherd who leaves the 99 sheep to go in search of the wayward one and brings it back home. And God is like the forgiving father who goes to a high place, a high ground, scanning the horizon day after day 
looking for his child. All of you need to reread this gospel and then let the story and the lessons that Jesus is putting forth in his time be ours. Let it pass by your brain and move into your heart. The story and those parables are for us. So that in these lessons, you and I would be filled with hope. If there's something that this world needs right now, there's hope. And reason to be filled with joy. These parables tell us there is hope and reason to be filled with joy. They are stories about the love and the longing on God's part and about our worth and how precious each one of you are to him. You should insert your names into the stories so that you can take some ownership of it and make it very, very personal to you. Friends, I'm going to quote you Isaiah 43. Because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you, this is not the prophet talking. He's saying this is what God is saying. Because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you, I give people in return for you and nations in exchange for your life. Isaiah 43, 4. And then from 1 Timothy, Paul writes, It is good and pleasing to God our Savior, who wills everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of his truth. And my friends, from Sirach, how great is the mercy of the Lord and his forgiveness for those who return to him. In Second Chronicles, if you return to the Lord, you will find mercy. The Lord your God is gracious and merciful, and he will not turn away his face from you if you but return to him. You are precious to God, and it is a great rejoicing when God is able to do like the characters from the parables, the woman, the good shepherd, and the forgiving father, when he is able to recover what has been lost and to put you back where you belong. Not at a lower place, back where you belong. This is a reason for great joy. God the Father is ever scanning the horizon with great love to see if we have finally come to our senses and begin to return home to him, where the Father is not only waiting, but according to the parable, runs out to meet you. So here's my advice. Stop running away from God. Don't make him chase you. <laughs> Instead, turn around and run back to him. And if anybody tells you he's mean and awful and he's going to destroy you, they are ignorant and Worse, a liar, because the scriptures do not say that. Not even the Old Testament. Stop running away. Start running towards him. Receive his grace. Start being the disciples you're supposed to be so that we can turn this world around, give it back to him, and then Jesus finally comes back, and everything is made perfect. 